and welcome to the Scott and Paul Show, episode 8, first one of the year. Well, basically the first one of the year. Everything else has been bank shows. But we are back now without Daniel, and but he did contribute something to the show. So, Scott, you want to go ahead and go over that? Dan Hander, or I'm sorry, John Jones apparently uh, tested positive for cocaine. John Jones is a UFC light heavyweight champion. He's 21 and one. Um, he's he spent a little bit of time making fun of Dan Henderson's age, and it's very clear that the two don't like each other to begin with. And they have a mutual opponent, which beat Dan Henderson and John Jones. I didn't see the fight, but I'm sure he took him apart. Um, but basically it boils down to Henderson uh, lost to Daniel Cromier or Cromier. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but he lost to this guy. And uh, after making fun of Dan Henderson's age, then he discredited the win uh, by Cromier because of the age. So, you know, there's been a little bit of heat between these two. So anyways, John Jones got a DUI, and now he's got a cocaine, a positive cocaine test, and he's checked into rehab. And uh, Dan Henderson... Um, was having an, was being interviewed, and he stated that uh, the longevity of his career is probably due to him not doing cocaine. So he took a, a pretty hard jab at uh, John Jones, and I think it's freaking hilarious. And, I mean, it makes people pay attention to wrestling and all that. Or, I'm not sorry, not wrestling, but um, mixed martial arts. So, very awesome. Yeah. Got to have a little bit of drama to, to sell all the awesome action. Love mixed martial arts, but I like a little bit of drama, too. Sure, Dan put that in there to go along with the wrestling portion of the show. But for those of you who don't watch UFC like me, let's go ahead and put this kind of in a WWE type universe situation. Does everybody remember when everybody was getting busted for steroids? And then you had Mr. Anderson talking shit about people being stupid and having opportunities and throwing all away and doing steroids, and he would never do shit like that. And then a few months later, he got busted for steroids and got fired. Who was Kinda that? Almost the same situation we got going. Who was that that got busted? <laughs> Mr. Anderson. Oh my. Yeah, he he was set up for a huge push, and then something bad happened. He got his arm legitimately injured, so he had a he lost his push. And it was either that time or the time after that. He was going to be pushed way to the top because the storyline was he was going to be Vince McMahon's son. Gimmicky, but if you're his son, you're going to be pushed to the main event. That was the plan. And then he made the little fucking comment about steroids, and then he got busted for ordering steroids through doctors. So I felt sorry for the first time because you get injured and, and you just lost your big break. And then the second time, it's because you're being a fucking idiot and doing shit you know you're going to get busted for? Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Now, on to... Oh, well, fuck, where are we on? One on? more thing on John Jones real quick. Right. I think one thing that is interesting, and I and I agree with him, is uh, Wanderlei Silva, he's a, another MMA legend, he uh, has come out and criticized the... Um, Nevada State Athletic Commission for publicly revealing the results. So, uh, Nevada State Athletic Commission is a uh, state agency, but 
John Jones is not a state employee. There's to me, it seems like there's some there's might be a little bit of a a HIPAA violation there. I don't see how there couldn't be. Uh, I'm, I'm not up to date on HIPAA law, but it just unless unless John Jones has agreed in contract somewhere that you know if I test positive for any banned substance, it, I understand that it can it'll be released to the public, and I agree. Blah blah blah. Barring that, if this guy has a cocaine problem, the NSAC is not helping him by uh, making this public. They're adding stress to the situation, and you know I didn't think about it until just until I caught this Silva comment. I thought it was funny what Dan Henderson's saying. Okay, it is, but at the same time, it's not going to help someone who's got a problem. And yes, John Jones is responsible, and he created his own problem, but there's no help for him to recover um, from the people he's working for or the people he's with if they're revealing this and criticizing him for it. But I, I haven't seen what uh, Dana White said about it, so I don't know. I'm sure he's supporting him because Jones is a headliner. Um, but, you know, he, they take care of their fighters for the most part. I mean, they could pay them better, which is going up. But, yeah, they're not helping him by doing that stuff. So Silva's got a good point there. Very, very mature response by Wanderlei Silva. And uh, real quickly, let's go ahead and finish off the wrestling because there's no real news. Um, the Wrestle King 9 them. Wrestle Kingdom 9 pay-per-view happened. Uh, if you still got a chance, check it out. Jim Ross is still Jim Ross. Good matches. It was four hours long, but for the most part, you're going to enjoy it. It's just oh, no, strong style of wrestling, not a bunch of bullshit backstage segments. You have a few vignettes, but no sports entertainment bullshit. Now, on to the video games. Um, Amazon, once again, instead of uh, leaking early information, they actually kind of possibly spoiled Arkham Knight. Don't worry, not going to tell you what it is. If you want to know what the spoiler is, just look it up on, on Google. Just Amazon spoils Arkham Knight pre-order packaging image. There you go. Second news item, or unless Scott has something to say about Amazon, can totally fucking up again. Amazon can kiss my ass. All right, on to Tony Hawk. Wait, wait. Okay. Majora's Mask Limited Edition is why Amazon and Best Buy and GameStop can all kiss my ass. Is they have this cool big box version of the upcoming Majora's Mask remake, um, Legend of Zelda, and of course. You know, you go to Slick Deals, and everybody's bragging about how many copies they are, and those people are sitting around just like a pack of jackals waiting on that game to be listed on these sites. And, you know, between 5 and 20 minutes on each site, they were completely sold out. So, you know, sorry I have a freaking job or other responsibilities. I can't sit and refresh a page. but it, And I know that they don't care who they sell it to as long as they sell it, but it'd be nice if they'd limit customer purchases down to like one or two copies uh, per account, which, of course, the the really dedicated Slick Deals people are going to have 10 separate ways of paying, 10 separate accounts. They're still going to get it, but it would still make it harder for some of these uh, less committed scalpers to uh, make this stuff available. Because I was like, man, that's really cool. It'd look awesome on the shelf. But you know, I'll end up just buying the regular edition. I'm not going to pay an outrageous price for something that was only $10 more than the regular edition to begin with. So, But screw Amazon and Best Buy and that other place, GameStop. 
it's getting old. It's like the Amiibos. You got all these Amiibos, and, and everybody's wanting $60, $70 for one because they buy 20 of them. Uh, but hey, just one of the downsides of capitalism in the free market. Tony Hawk confirms a new game this year. Scott, interested in playing another Tony Hawk game? No. <laughs> <laughs> On to uh, Tony Hawk 2. A brand new game. Master HD. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Tony Hawk's were good, but they, they wore out their welcome because it, it was too much. But it, it's been gone for a little while, so it might pique my interest a little bit. It depends on what the gameplay looks like. But you know, I, thought, I think it started going downhill with Tony Hawk 3, like big time. So... Brand new Godzilla game coming to PS3 and PS4 exclusive. Um, I believe they actually started showing this teaser, whatever the hell it was, on the video game awards show, but had audio issues, so you only heard half of it. They released it later on. It doesn't even show anything for the gameplay, but uh, just, hey, look, there's a Godzilla game. It can't be worse than the movie, right? No, it probably isn't. Uh, I watched uh, a gameplay video of a couple different stages um, this week, and that's not on my doc. You oh. didn't put that in the notes. Well, this is this. Sorry, fucker. <laughs> my mistake. Um, I should have linked that. Um, I also operate under the you know maybe you would just get curious and. No, <laughs> but yeah, I know. It's this is your news story. Need a link to click. My bad. But anyways, it, it looks like it's kind of there's action, but it looks kind of slow, uh, which is fine with me. I, I I've played um, Godzilla destroy all monsters melee and save the earth, and they were actually the monsters moved pretty fast. And, but I would like to see something where you're just tromping through the city and doing all that damage, and and it looks it looks okay from a pure gameplay perspective, and it might be better than okay. Um, it looks interesting. Uh, you can control classic Godzilla or the new Godzilla. Um, it has online multiplayer. The cities are big. There's boss fights, obviously, against all the classic Godzilla enemies. Um, it looks interesting, and I'm probably going to grab a copy because I'm a Godzilla fan, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure it, there's a lot of Godzilla fans that's going to like this game because when you like a certain property... You can overlook the deficiencies for the fan service that you're you're giving yourself. Um, there's a lot of people out there that like you know Assassin's Creed. Um, no matter how buggy they are, they think they're the greatest release ever, and that's fine because they like the story, they like that environment, they like that atmosphere that Assassin's Creed has. Um, broken games like Duke Nukem or Aliens: Colonial Marines. Yes, both Gearbox games. Years and years and years. People like those. I mean, there's a lot of fans of both games. You know, because well, they like it that. Depends on how well the gimmick is, atmosphere and that property. Um, so you're gonna Godzilla fans are going to love this. I think your average game, game player probably going to think sounds it's okay. awesome to me. It if looks, it's it looks like very interesting, the, and me and my kids, um, Nintendo uh, Land Metroid uh, Blast, where you pick it up and use the, the gyroscope to look around. As long as at some point, be pre-ordering. When I use my thumbs on the thumbsticks, I can take back control, just like Metroid Blast. You can play without moving out of your seat. Um, that's fine too because I I think that's awesome, but I can see where a lot of people, you know, are lazy or they it's just not interesting to them. Well, so, in the new, it's very interesting. In the new Star Fox, the gamepad will be the cockpit view, and the TV is the typical third-person view. How does uh -huh. that work for you? 
Um, I'm interested to see it, but I don't I don't recall anything ever being like that before, so it's new territory. And you might possibly get to play with the uh, amiibo bullshit. You love that, don't you? Oh yeah, if I can find them. So, <laughs> which I have a fox, so I'm good. But he's already in the game, so I don't know what the bonus will be. Well, uh, me Moto was having an interview, and he did say that new Star Fox game would be released this year before the new Zelda game. So you can get a Star Fox game and a Zelda game this year. That's awesome. Um, it also says here that players will be able to switch to the traditional mode of playing Star Fox if they wish, though. Yep. That's good. Um, yeah, uh, Star Fox blew my mind when it came out on Super Nintendo. So, yeah, I can't I can't wait. And I thought the 64 one was really, really well done. Uh, so, Star Fox, heck yeah. That's probably one that I'll actually pre-order. And two little pieces of information left. Let's see. Uh... Steam has taken down several games due to uh, possible license expiration. Um, Scott's favorite game in the world, Colonial Marines, was taken down. Yeah. Uh, Deadpool, X-Men, and Spider games have been delisted from Steam, PlayStation Network, and Xbox Live. And two Activision published titles, Family Guy Back to the Multiverse and Ice Age 4, Continental Drift, Arctic Games. That was also taken off Steam. So it's Steam starting to look a little bit like, uh, well, a lot of the digital issues look a lot like Netflix. You better grab it while you can, which is why a lot of people are still iffy about going to digital because you just can't get it unless you get it at that time, which I just said, which is really redundant. But, Scott, save me. I'm just sitting you couldn't here. Even, you couldn't even buy the DLC when the when it when the main title went down, say if you wanted to buy DLC, you couldn't buy DLC. Um, Aliens, Colonial Marines, and Aliens vs. Predator 2010 uh, have both since went back up. Um, apparently, you know, Sega hasn't released anything about it, and neither has Steam or Valve or whatever. But uh, I would say it was probably a licensing issue, and they just had to iron it out. So they probably suspended sales while they were getting the paperwork sorted out. Um, but, but is that say one was, game that could have stayed off the list? Yeah, Colonial Marines could have just yeah. stayed away. Um, yeah, they, you know, Isolation's out, and that was, I believe that's the final game in, in Sega's uh, licensing deal with Fox. Uh, so they probably renegotiated after the success of Alien Isolation, which I think is over a million copies on the consoles. I don't know about the PC sales. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's. It, I think it's actually closed in on like one and a half million. Uh, so, and it had critical acclaim, and it's won some Game of the Year awards, and it was just fresh. So maybe they come up with another one. They haven't announced it yet, but I don't see the point in Sega losing the ability to continue to generate cash from two games they published. And I would say it's merely just some sort of licensing issue, and they had to iron out a contract. But as far as the Netflix comment and the going digital comment, absolutely agree. Um, I would love to be able to just sit down and not have to get change disc. You know, it, it can be annoying, especially if you're pl trying to sit down with the family and everybody's kind of changing their mind every few minutes. You got to eject it and run in and out and stuff. And we keep our games in a separate room upstairs from 
where we have the consoles at, so that we're forced to run upstairs. So, you know, trying to get a few extra calories burned. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not ready for all digital yet just because of stuff like this. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. That's, no. That's your uh, consumerist nature that we just got to buy, 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 and then when we don't get what we want, we get pissy. Yeah. But the major studios just don't want to play ball. No, and, and it's it's up to the consumer. We can, we can dictate how it goes. We just have to vote with our wallets. So, you know, when these games drop or these services drop, you know, maybe don't maybe don't spend that money for a few weeks. See how they like that. Um, Xbox One changed. Uh, consumers, they, have, they wield all the power. The companies just don't let the consumers know that. And it's up to us to not buy this stuff when it's like that. Yeah, well, people were not buying Xbox One, and they learned a lesson. They dropped the price down to 330 bucks, and now they're going to jack the price back up again. So congratulations, Microsoft. Nobody's going to buy your system anymore. You're right back to where you were. Yeah. they uh, Considering that the, the major manufacturers make their money on accessories pretty much, they lose, they lose money on each console sold to get you into their ecosystem. And then they, you know, they, they get a little bit of money from the games that do successful. But I would say the extra controls and things like that, those are sold at way over the cost of production. So if there's one or two controls sold per console, uh, they're making their money. So they can afford to do the price drops. They, they, they lose it in the short term, but they'll make it up over the, over the generation through accessory sales because those prices never drop. I mean, I think maybe, maybe the DualShock 3s and the Xbox 360 controls are $50 instead of $60 now. But, I mean, how many years did that take? Eight? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Remember back in the days when you got pissed at a game, you could throw a controller and pay 10 bucks and get another one? Won't do that now. I remember buying a, a three-pack game and uh, a system and uh, two controls all packed in the same box. So... Yeah. What was the uh, Super Nintendo two controllers and Super Mario World? The yeah the two hundred fifty dollars uh, was that the deal? I believe so. Um, I'm not sure. Somebody's gonna have to do the research on but that. But they had, I believe there was a Super Mario All Stars edition. Yeah, there was two. That had a pack in. Yeah, three games. I don't know if it had two controls or not, but I say it would have. I don't think Sega actually had two controllers, did it? When Genesis came out, was it? Two? Uh, I'm looking at the core system box right now, and it has one. So it was even a better deal back then for Nintendo. Yeah. Better system. Sorry, it was a better system, unless you like sports games, and it wasn't. I still don't know why that was the case, but. Well, the colors alone was was a big difference maker. I mean. There was some fantastic... A lot of games looked fantastic on Genesis, but the, the colors, if they would have had Super Nintendo colors, I, I think they would have probably beat Nintendo out in that generation. It did have great explosion graphics. sounds, though. Even though you did have a better chip on Super Nintendo, Sega had that, that special sound, that signature sound whenever there was an explosion. And you, you could tell it was a lesser quality of sound, yeah. but it worked. It was, you know, I guess I hate to use the word, but because it, it's so cliche, but it, it was iconic sound. Yeah, they did fire better than anybody. Yeah, it was really interesting. So, 
Well, okay, according to Scott's research here, Metacritic has a top new game, Smash Brothers. I guess it's the, uh... Nintendo's having a good fucking year. They sucked ass their first year, but they're bringing it back. Oh, 2013 was terrible. I mean, they had a few good games, don't get me wrong, but between... I mean, they had like a four-month period or five-month period. They didn't have anything come out for the system. So it was an extended period. I'm not exactly sure, but it was ridiculous. And, well, this year, I mean, they started out... Last year, they started out badly. Um, you got Tropical Freeze in, what, February? And then there wasn't anything else, really, till May. And uh, I think there might have been something Lego. I'm not sure, but... Yeah, I mean, it was Wait, like, when, when was the uh, Lego GTA-type game? Was that this year or last that year? Was, that was 2013 or 2012. I think it was, 2000, I think it was March 2013. That, that was a really good game. But, uh, yeah, critically, though, critically, they've done very, very, very well. You know, the t the the top-rated games for 2014 were actually uh, Grand Theft Auto V, but those are remasters. I'm, sure, I, I'm not sure about Last of Us remaster, but I'm pretty sure it scored really high, too. Um, but the top-rated new game that's not so a those remake count, or a remake no, because they've already been out. Yeah. They're just shinier coat of paint. I mean, you know, Diablo 3 Battle Chest is still produced, I think, so, <laughs> you know, it's not a new game. Or not Diablo 3, but Diablo 1. Um, but yeah, Smash Brothers was a top-rated, brand-new game for last year that wasn't a wasn't a uh, remaster. So that's pretty neat. Well, um, you know what brought this around? It was the year of Luigi. Luigi saved the Wii U. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. He was powerful. One meme did it all. Yeah. They had the official year of Luigi, which was okay, and then they had the true year of Luigi, which was the Mario Kart Death there. Yeah. Wii U has three of the only four new games to score above 90. So that's, that's pretty good. Uh, two of those are exclusives, and that's Smash Brothers and Bayonetta 2, and then the other one is Shovel Knight, which is on the PC, the Wii U, and the 3DS, and I'm pretty sure has a PS4 release looming. So, and then Dark Souls 2 scored above a 90, but it again, it's not on Wii U, but it's available on PC, PS3, and 360. So, a lot of, lot of good games last year for some people, as far as if you count only the 90 pluses. I mean, to me, games are generally good 60s, high 60s, low 70s, depending upon the IP on up. Um, but PS4 had five 90-plus rated games. Wii U had four. PC had two. And then everybody else had one. So pretty good. And the exclusives that were rated over 90, um, the Wii U had two, and the other systems had zero. So that's pretty good. And they're, they're going to have a pretty good year this year, critically, I, I expect. But I think PS4 is really going to come on strong. I mean, it's already come on strong, but I think even critically it's going to be much more successful this year than it was last year. Uh, okay. Hmm. we got an Assassin's Creed movie coming up. Uh, I, was, I was looking over the... Uh... The what was the last link game? Link between two worlds? Did that get over ninety? You know, I'm not sure. That was a fantastic game. That's probably the one that was 
the 90 on 3DS, which I know that Metacritic's not the end-all be-all, but it's just no. it's an interesting thing to note. It's just another tool. Okay. What the hell's the number one on 91. Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds was 2013. Oh, shoot. Is that the Yeah, I guess I did get that for Christmas of 13. Um, yeah, it was a 91. What game on Vita was over a 90? Uh, Transistor. I believe it's available on a bunch of different systems, but I, th I think they might have their own edition or version. Not sure. Probably touch controls tends to crap. It has a uh, subtitle or something. I can't remember what it's called. Okay. Yeah, it was the uh, one for the Vita. So. Only game I really hear about on Vita is that Terraway game. I hear yeah. about that a lot. But... Okay, Scott. We're going to not do the uh, Assassin's Creed movie because you have your game of the week you need to get through. Oh, yeah, let's not forget that this time. Yeah. That's your game of the week. I have to say, though, I was very disappointed when I, I looked up the uh, Beetle Venturation. I was thinking it would be fucking Beatles. Well, no, it's, it's actual Beetle car. I was, yeah. I was, I was let down. Yeah, um... I can't even remember how I came... Oh, wait a minute. Yes, I do. My uh, girlfriend had a Nintendo 64, and they got it for Christmas one year. And uh, they had Beetle Adventure Racing. So I went to her house, and I sat down, and I saw the Beatles, and I rolled my eyes with my elitist type of gamer thinking. And If you're uh, cruising USA eyes, you, you said this. You're cruising USA. No, Need for Speed, man. Need for Speed. As far as 64 goes, there, was there a Need for Speed on 64? No, that's why I played Need for Speed on oh, PC or something. <laughs> you played yeah. fucking Ridge Racer, man. Come on. Yeah, I played some Ridge Racer. Um, that's still yeah, a badass game. I like Cruising USA, all right, but it's it's something to sit down and play for five minutes while I'm waiting on someone to get out off the toilet for me. Remember um, on the original Ridge Racer, you could actually take the disc out and put another disc in with your own music? Yes. That was an awesome, awesome feature. Okay, oh my friend showed me that, and I, my mind was blown. Yeah, there's a couple uh, games like that. And yeah, all the Echo games you used to play like the little uh, arcade games while it was loading. Yeah, yeah, there was I th Ridge Racer had that, didn't it? it had like yeah. Galaga or something. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right, That's go on. Name. So, anyways, Beetle Venture Racing. You know, uh, the Amy's little sisters were playing it, and I walked in and I watched, and I thought, wow, there's all kinds of like, you know. Uh, Multiple paths, branching paths, and things like that. And then they asked me to play, and I didn't really want to because it was it was a game with just Beatles. I was like, how interesting can this be? And it was EA, and I thought this is crap. And then I sat down, and it was it's still to this day of one future. of the best racing games I've ever played. Um, so Beetle Adventure Racing for Nintendo 64. If you guys are listening and you haven't tried this game, it is still excellent. I just sat down and played a couple hours this last week. And it's very, very, very fun. Unless you're a graphics whore. And then, well, I'm sorry about your terrible, terrible experiences with the games. But it's an uh, arcade racer. Uh, had awesome, awesome track design. There was a lot of branching paths and ramps. And you had, you know, your different environments. There's like volcanoes and uh, the nice English-looking countryside. And there's snow. The snow stage is my favorite. So a lot of cool, interesting things. There's, like, dinosaurs. There's stuff in the background that moves. Uh, it's really awesome, and all the multiple paths that you can take is is just epic. And a lot of games are missing 
I'm missing those features today. Um, the weapons were all right, but the sense of speed, the different pass is what really set it apart. The beetles, they, you know, there were several different beetles. They all looked pretty much the same other than collars and maybe some stripes or a racing number or something. But they had different stats. So that was, that was really cool. And there was a four-player battle mode, and you could play two-player racing. But the battle mode, you had to run around, and you had to pick up these colored beetles. And you had to have each one of each. And what was neat about having to collect all of them was you would need one of each collar, and as you would get close to the beetle, you would get shot or something, slow you down, and your buddy would either take it or it would change to the collar you couldn't use. So the battle mode was really smart. Um, the handling, as far as the control of the game, top notch. Very, very, very good, very crisp. And uh, it's it's just amazing. One of the best games. Had a high frame rate. Uh, you know, and there was, again, there was lots of cool stuff. There was ghosts, pirate ships, dragons, volcanoes, all that stuff. So, and it could be had for. I'm thinking between five to ten dollars, so very, very, very good game and very fun to sit down with a friend and play. Okay, it's still no cruising USA though, right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Infinitely better than cruising USA in every way imaginable. Would it be better though if you actually had actual Beatles? Yeah. I guess I could go play Excitebots Trick Racing for Wii if I want to play something like that. There's a Beetle in it. That's another fantastic racing game. If you have a Wii, pick up, pick that one up, guys. Um, and if you have a Nintendo, you should just go ahead and pick up Excitebike. Best biking game ever. Yep, still is. Second best biking game ever, Road Rash. By the way, where's the fucking reboot Road Rash? Yeah, that'd be fun. Is that too much to ask for? Yeah. No, well, speaking of Cruising USA, if I had the arcade machine, now we're talking. Yeah, that was fuck sweet. Way, way, way awesome. better than the 64 version. 64 version was just held back by its tech. Yeah. Well, you can tell. You can look at the tech and see how far behind it was. You had that and you had Killer Instinct Gold. Yeah. <sighs> Some people don't like it when you put the block on off, though. Assassin's Creed movie set for 2016. Whatever. A buggy CGI mess. Yeah, Scott, that's my prediction. Scott would be the first one in line. Yeah, I actually probably would go throw some money at him just to watch it this disaster unfold. Um, I am not of the camp that believes you can't make a good movie out of a video game property. Um, you just got to hire competent people, and they rarely hire uh, good directors and writers for these things, so we'll have to see. Um, I don't even know who's writing this one. It was uh, the Exodus Gods and Kings writers, Adam Cooper and Bill Collage. Uh, they've been sort of kind of been in that environment. Um, what is exciting is Michael Fassbender. That's, that's, that guy is awesome. I love watching him. So if he's the antagonist, that's going to be great. Uh, I'm Justin Kurzel is the director, and he directed Snow Something. What was that movie called? Snow Job or Snow Blow or Snow... Whatever. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> Snow Day, hell, I don't know. Snow Day was great. Um, no, he didn't direct that. So he directed an episode of some show in one time. Oh, Snow Day. Fuck, I remember that movie. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. 
The good thing is, is Ubisoft probably isn't the producer. The bad thing is, is it's 20th Century Fox. So, yeah, yeah they they have just fallen apart. And if there's a studio that has too much or too many executives and too much executive um, fingers in the uh, punch bowl, it is 20th Century Fox. Um, AVP or two prime examples of that. So, oh, I don't know, AVP or Aliens Resurrection too. So, yeah. And hopefully the movie has naval combat, so that'll at least be fun to watch, just like the games. <laughs> oh, it's it's God. So easy to get right, and yet yeah, it's good. So easy to get wrong too. Yeah. And that comes in the hiring phase. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hope I'm eating crow. I really do, because I do like the Assassin's Creed universe. I think it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not so big on the. Um, I can't remember the name of it now. The 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 celestial beings or whatever the hell they are, just whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it gets a little silly at points, but I, I like the atmosphere. I like the atmosphere and I like the narrative for the most part. So. The biggest fear is that you're just going to have a bunch of big budget ooey balls. Yeah, that's that's and that's probably what's going to happen, but we'll see. Yeah. Disney may be next in line to buy Time Warner. Uh, Rupert uh, Murdoch tried to pick up Time Warner. Merger uh, didn't exactly go through. So now the owner of, I think it's AMC Movie Theater Chain, they're working on it. If that doesn't go through, you still have a, next, a couple of companies possibly looking in to buy it. One is um, Disney. So they're is the chance that Disney could own Time Warner one day? Hold this is coming from the um, Hollywood Reporter. Also, um, Apple and uh, who is the other group that could possibly buy it? CNN. 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 That is the under Time Warner. Oh yeah, that is, isn't it? I don't know. I'm not seeing Google and Apple. Okay. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. What matters is Disney. That's yeah. all that matters. Disney is planning to buy our childhood, and this could do it. <laughs> they have the Star Wars. Bit. They have Marvel. If they get DC Comics, they will be the most powerful weapon in the universe. All they have to do <laughs> is go ahead and buy WWE, and they own everything. Yeah, that's, and Nintendo and Sony and Microsoft. But either way, regardless, um, not so much Microsoft. They're, they're still freshly new to me. Um I, I'm excited. I'm sh I'm sure that the I haven't looked, but I'm sure the message boards in the comment sections are freaking having a stroke. That you know they're not going to maintain their individual identities of DC and Marvel, blah blah blah. If they buy them, I say do it because if you ask me, Marvel and DC, especially DC, have stagnated terribly. Let's liven it up. Let's make it fresh. New story opportunities. New crossover opportunities. Let's do this. Um, because, I mean, how many more freaking crises do we have to have? It's, it's, it's getting so old. I mean, we've been doing this since the early 90s. And 
it's just like, you know, I if I lived in the DC universe, I think everybody should just probably take a gun and shoot themselves because you just got another freaking <laughs> crisis coming up and you're going to die. People you love are going to go up missing. Yeah. So, and I understand that the 70 years of back continuity is kind of the problem, but just just write the freaking stories. They could have fixed it with the new 52. They could have done a complete, real reboot, a legitimate reboot, issue one through. But they're afraid they're going to piss off all the old fans and do away with all those stories that they all loved and cared about, and they won't mean anything. It doesn't. Who gives it a still shit? Means something. It's the thing. It still means something. Superman still got his freaking face pounded in my doomsday and died from a vicious beating defending the people he loved. But I mean, it's, it's not going to change that dynamic. And you could have said, look, this is a completely new universe, so all that shit that you love, that's canon, but in a completely different universe. We're done with that universe. It's just, over. Just Let's have a big finale on. issue. They beat all the bad guys, and they depower everybody bad, and they put up this infinite force field around the Earth, and there's no more crime, and everybody lives in their little like commune, hippie crap, and Superman and Batman around getting high the rest of their lives. Fine. No, Batman probably not. He'd probably still be looking for criminals. But yeah, because he's psychotic. But regardless, just he's like now got a reason to take out Clark. <laughs> he's he's a drug fiend. Clark's the only, Clark's the only possible threat. We're going to destroy this guy. So yeah, everybody freaking dies or something. I don't know. But just call it done and start over. But keep the keep the core of those characters. Disney has done a hell of a good job of keeping their fingers off the properties that made money when they bought them. The only thing that they toyed around with was um, Big Hero 6. They, play, they played around a little bit with that. They told them, uh-uh, no more reprinting those issues. We, this, we're this we repackaging this in the Disney model, basically. Yeah. And from what I've been told, I haven't actually read it, the Disney model or idea, vision, whatever, of, of Big Hero 6 is better than what the original Marvel one was. And the... Oh, here comes the train. People are going to hear that. Um, the other issue was the... Um, oh, shit, what was it? Oh, when they... We talked about it, like, seven podcasts ago, maybe eight. Well, we're on eight, eight now, but it was when... Marvel told them, uh, hey, no more mutants. Don't make any more. Stop that shit. We don't want to give Fox any money. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And it seems like there's kind of like a conspiracy theory where they're going to take some of the older Marvel characters and like the uh, X-Men universe and so forth and in the comics turn them into inhumans and no longer mutants, so maybe they can actually do what they want to do with them and say, well, fuck you, Fox, they're not mutants. You don't own them. They're inhumans. And looking at Disney's mostly hands-off policy, I I wouldn't get all tore up thinking that they are even going to mishmash Marvel and DC that much. You might get a, you might get a crossover series like, like we had in the 90s with Marvel vs. DC, but... I, I really don't see Darkseid being a regular Thor bad guy. You know what I mean? No. I think they, they handle the the Marvel extremely well. I mean, I, I thought they were going to completely fuck it up 
they did they did a pretty good job. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Star Wars. So far, I'm not happy with anything they've done with it. And now, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I don't, I doubt they'll buy it because it's too like, good to be true. I would like. I, yeah, it's too good to be true. I would like to see if they do get it for Superman to punch Century into a black hole. Just yeah. saying. I, I hate that character because he's just a rip off of Superman. It was like, you know, here's a thumb on the nose to thumb or nose at Superman. Screw that guy. Well, spe- speaking of black holes, more anime films turning into live action films. Ghost in the Shell, which is a very beloved anime f- show, film, where the fuck it is. I know about it. I'm familiar with it to the point to where I know it's anime. I never really watched an episode. But Scarlett Johansson will play the lead in Ghost in the Shell. Um, it will be directed by Rupert Sanders from Snow White and the Huntsman. Hopefully he's not going to bang Scarlett Johansson like he did the other little tramp. And it's based on a script by William Wheeler, who wrote The Reluctant Fundamentalist. See, I know nothing about that either. Either way, this will not be good. This is a DreamWorks project. Scott? Uh, Scarlett Johansson, let's see here. Let's, let's, let's follow this model. Pick really uh, physically attractive, uh, hot name of the moment actress to play a iconic role. And that's failed miserably repeatedly. Or act, uh, actor. No matter whether it's male or female, actor. They are always just hire good people, good actors. I'm not saying she's bad. I'm just saying she's not good. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying she's there. I've liked her twice. Uh, Ghost World. Uh, she played, you know, the little hater, all woe is me teenager. Okay, not hard. And she played a good bitch in Don John. Um, Don John, Don Juan. Don John. What the hell's Don John? Don John is a, in my opinion, a very smart commentary on male and female expectations of the bedroom and relationships. Oh, that's like that movie. I'm done. Okay, keep going. Yeah, but it's it's wrapped up in a comedy. It's not a romantic comedy either. Basically, Don John's addicted to porn, and he thinks that all sex should be like the porns. And he goes over his little montage where he's like getting a blowjob, and it lasts for like three seconds instead of like the 30 minutes in the movies, and. Her version of porn is to go watch movies like The Notebook. She has emotional porn. He has physical porn. And both of them's expectations is what ruins it. But she's an evil bitch to begin with. So I like the movie. I thought it was hilarious, and it's not a rom-com either. Okay. But it's uh, – what's his name? Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I'm out, yeah. Directed it and starred in it, and I believe wrote it. I'm not sure if he wrote it. Um, But he plays this uh, Guido-type guy. Um, from Jersey or something, and uh, yeah, I thought it was funny. I laughed. Totally out. Done. Done. Yeah, I usually don't like stuff like that, but I like this one. Oh. But I know you don't like that guy, so. No. <laughs> I but, don't like the whole genre. I don't like anything you just said. <laughs> and even and, and from a pure visual perspective, from and I know this is not the best way to pick your characters, is based solely on looks. It helps. They need to be ballpark. It, it, there's three... There's almost 7 billion people on this planet, you can probably find somebody who can act worth a damn that looks somewhat close to the person that you're trying to portray. 
Um, and she just completely doesn't fit. You Is know. she the wrong race? Yeah, that too. I mean, don't, don't go on another tie race. But. Don't even get me going. Um, yeah, she's white, and it's really not her part. You know, it's just, it doesn't fit that character. Um, but, I mean, even her build and everything else, it doesn't fit the character. Uh, yeah, her, her face her doesn't dog. fit the character. Yeah, I remember this now. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, Johansson doesn't have tits like that. No, Ghost in the Shell. Well, I can get by with without that, but I can't. Ghost in the Shell. I mean, she's a cyborg. It could be whatever. Um, we'll see. Just like everything else. Hey, know, is there nudity in this? It might be I'm good. Not for this now. Yeah, they probably won't have nudity in this. I'm out. Fuck it. Yeah, it's not the anime. You're, you're ruining this film for me. I would. I would say probably not. But there will probably be guns and hacking and. And really know. unrealistic user interfaces. I can watch sneakers for hacking. That's the greatest hacker film ever made. Yeah, or uh, War Games or something. Man, War Games is a hell of a good movie. You we damn right. Play a game. So younger generations that are watching this, look that one up. Laugh at the technology, but understand a lot of that technology is still keeping your nuclear future safe. Yes. <laughs> and most people don't know that. Which Speaking is of fine nuking, by me. That's, um, the interview... We're finally going to bring it up. Uh, it's not that big a fucking deal. The first report came out, and uh, it was wrong. It grossed uh, did not gross $461 million on YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah whatever. It would have been <laughs> awesome if it had. Well, yeah, it would have, but it was like, was it $15 million? Yeah, that was the first announcement. So they've lost their ass on this movie big time. But they'll absorb it like everything else, you know. Until until they have a lot more bombs, the the studios are fine. And I still like uh, James Franco. So. Yeah, he's all right. I like him. I would like to have seen him as Anakin rather than Hayden Christensen. Yeah, yeah, that would have worked. And there was a few photos. I was like, man, he looks. That looks like Darth fucking Vader. But anyways, I can um, see. I can. I can see it more, but. Also depends on who the director is who can direct that uh, emotion that you need. I uh, yeah, that's I mean, look what they did with Natalie Portman. <laughs> she's 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 been fantastic in everything except Star Wars. So and that's, that's the direction. They did the Jimmy Smiths. What the fuck? The guy's amazing. <laughs> then he does nothing. Yeah, he, he I don't blame him. He got his name in a Star Wars movie. Oh, I I do it too. Funny hell. Yeah, no, I don't know. Not with um, JJ directing it. Yeah, and and everybody listening, I don't think me and Paul are like prequel haters. Oh no, 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 no not haters. We, what we are is we're in a domestic violence kind of relationship with the prequels. We <laughs> love them. We keep thinking they're going to change. <laughs> it's not happening. So I need to get a DVP against Star Wars. Um, yeah, I love. You see those? You see how close they? Could have been just a few more changes, and it's like, ah. yeah, it's like we love you, but we just don't. Like we you. need to have an intervention. <laughs> but there's just a few little things that that we can change about your personality, and, and now I'm not trying to change who you are. I'm just kind of roughing out the edges. Yeah, just like the Jedi getting hacked down in Palpatine's chambers in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, the one guy's staring at the freaking decorations on the wall. 
well, there's a Sith guy like leaping at him with a lightsaber, and then the other guys, this guy stands there like, oh shit, he just killed that guy. Ah, now I'm dead. <laughs> and then you get Kit Misto, who you know has been built up in the comics for years, and the Emperor puts him down in like two swings, which is fine. I mean, it's the, they're trying to show how bad that the Emperor is, yeah. but he basically beat two mouth breathers and and a chicken shit, <laughs> <laughs> and then he ran into Sam Jackson, which is a wall for about anybody. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and uh, then the whole Imperial Guard taken out with one force shove. I mean, that was kind of funny, but uh, God. Okay, yeah, that's more to evoke. No, we're not moving on. <laughs> that did more to evoke Yoda's power than anything they did with the Emperor, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what they were trying to do in that scene when they hacked all the Jedi down was show how powerful the Emperor was. But it didn't make any sense because he just like leaps over the table screeching. And if you'd have shown the Jedi like recoiling. Like it's some sort of Sith sonic force attack, and he distracts them with that and kills them, and they've never faced it before. I'm fine with that. But it took me ten years to think maybe that's why they did that. I don't know. But that was not clear the first three or four times I watched that movie, and I don't know. It still isn't clear. It's it's me sitting around trying to figure out that scene that even got me to come to that conclusion. Well, the fucking emperor, he jumped around this like maybe half of the time. That compared yeah. to Yoda jumped around in, in his fighting style. Yeah, I was like, shouldn't it? I mean, I know I get it. Emperor's an old man, but my God, he should at least be a a master instead of this a screeching demon. Yeah, I would've been happy if he would've, you know, even if his fighting style sucked, at least swing the saber, knock a guy down, and do some lightning bolts. I'd have been okay if he'd have used a like um, mace and sprayed him in the face. <laughs> Block this. There's a cloud of mace. I'm not talking about the little streams. I'm talking about like law enforcement style MK9s, OC canisters, which just fog an area. You know, looks like a fire extinguisher going off. Hit him with it and then go in and hack him to pieces. You know, I'd have been fine with that because he's a freaking Sith. That's what they do. They play dirty. Yeah. But. Yeah, it just didn't make I, sense I, to me. I guess Lucas was was thinking, well, I mean, he didn't do shit in, in Jedi, so why should he do anything now? Because you had about 30 years in between from the films. It would have made sense that the dark bit. side would have eventually wear him down over yeah. the years. Yeah. He threw down with Yoda. He threw down with those Jedi. He threw down with Sam Jackson. And did he really lose to Sam Jackson, or was he trying to make... Anakin stand at the precipice. Of oh, the well, yeah, that was it. He was selling it. I yeah. Mean, that, that was the whole thing. But he didn't even fight fucking Jackson. All he did was just say, power. Only was it power. Shocked his ass and threw him out the window. No, they, had a, they had a good little brawl. Not really. Oh, I'll have to watch it again. It's been four or five years uh, since I've watched it. So. Sigourney Weaver went to bat for the Aliens film crew and got them rehired and paid. Apparently, the... Um, I guess they didn't have a good union and got fired. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, Rico Ross was a guy who acted in the Aliens movie, and he's been on TV, like on Highlander and things like that. And he played the Colonial Marine that gets shot with the flamethrower. Uh, at the, he's the first Marine to die, and uh, he had turned down a role in a Stanley Kubrick film to be in this James Cameron film, and Kubrick was a well-known super respected name, and Cameron just had Terminator under his belt, and that was it. But Cameron basically promised Rico Ross, hey, I'll write you a good role, and then Rico Ross 
tries to talk to Kubrick and see if he can do both movies. Kubrick says no. Rico Ross goes with James Cameron, thinking he'll get more screen time, and James Cameron kills him first. <laughs> <laughs> but he did get quite a few memorable lines, and uh, he he did get some screen time, and he was he seemed like one of the Marines the camera hit on until the moment he got nuked by the flamethrower, and then he was gone. But, I mean, I like Rico Ross and what I've seen him in, and I've always thought he was pretty good. But anyways, he did this interview, and he talked about the film crew for Aliens. Um, and, yeah, I guess I'm doing more Aliens fanboy shit, but I'm actually just talking about Sigourney Weaver going to, going to, going to work for a bunch of people that she didn't know anything to. Um, but the, the English crew... English culture, they have tea time set aside, and James Cameron's a workaholic, and American production is, you know, you get like your little half-hour break, and then you're back to work. And in England, um, with their union rules and all this stuff, they actually have these multiple breaks set aside each day for, you know, these little breaks and tea time and all this stuff. And James Cameron's having a freaking stroke over it, and so are the studio executives. So the studio executives um, got wind that the... Uh, the they were complaining. The uh, film crew was complaining. They weren't getting all their breaks, and they weren't getting paid properly. They wanted they wanted uh, American type pay because they were getting treated like American type workers, and so f they got fired. Fox fired them. So Sigourney Weaver caught wind of it, and she went and she went to bat and spoke with executives and argued with them and whatnot. And eventually, everybody that was fired was rehired, and everybody got paid. So just a shout-out to Sigourney Weaver, who at this time is a millionaire, and I, mean, I guess I said she didn't know him anything, but without them there doing their job, she can't do her job. You know, She can't build sets and do lighting and all that stuff. She could, but it would take her 75 years to do a movie. She'd be dead. So she helped him out, and that's awesome. That's very, very human of her. Which is now why you use a green screen for everything and just make it all CGI. You don't really need that big of a film crew. Yes, when you you when you hire when you fire the uh, CGI film crew in Korea and hire the one in China, nobody cares. Yeah. So, oh, I say go back to the old. Just get rid of CGI. I'm done with it. Masters of the Universe will ha definitely have CGI in it, and the script has been. I guess this is the first draft released. A script is in there. It was done by Jeff Ladlow, who was the writer and director of Kick-Ass 2. I'm not sure if he'd done the first one or not. Um, doesn't matter because he didn't come up with the idea anyway. That was Mark Miller or Millar. I forgot how Millar. Millar. Thanks, Millar. I like I to say Millar. Two, I know there's two Millers. There's two Mark Millers. There's a Mark Miller and a Mark Millar. I think he's Millar. Either way, he's going to have the awesome Superman idea too. Who who did? Mark Millar was Superman. He he pitched a script like three or four years ago before they went with Man of Steel, to where basically oh, I thought you his, said a He-Man script. No, nah, Superman. Oh, where his film, yeah. where his trilogy or du duology of films or whatever ends with Superman as the last surviving living creature on Earth five billion years in the future as the red as the Earth. As the sun turns red. Yeah, red sun. Yes. Yeah, yeah I was like, sun. that is awesome. So, best single Superman story ever. 
Well, no, Red Sun's the best single Superman story ever. The unproduced script was everybody dies, and in five billion years in the future, when our sun dies, it turns red, so that's how Superman dies. So basically, he was immortal otherwise. Yeah. I thought that was a cool way of looking at it. But anyways, back to Masters of the Universe. I think Masters of the Universe will be produced by Sony, so there you go. In story, it will suck ass. <sighs> yeah. On so, the TV news, Daredevil has gotten a release date for on Netflix. All 13 episodes will be available on April 10th, 2015. You will have a 13-hour marathon of Daredevil. Well, I'm probably going to try and binge-watch that. Um, hopefully, the episodes are good and keep my interest. So, But I'm going to try and watch it all. Agent Carter premiered this Tuesday on ABC, and along with it was the Ant-Man teaser, I saw the teaser, did not get to watch Agent Carter yet. Did you get to watch the teaser, Scott? If you did, why do you think it sucks? Uh, I didn't get to watch it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Weather Wizard cast for the Flash series. Uh, the Flash has added yet another TV veteran to his rose gallery. Liam B- McIntyre. McIntyre? Like Drew McIntyre? Yeah. Uh, best known for Spartacus. Or the Damned, has been cast as Mark Madden, a.k.a. the Weathered Wizard. This news is confirmed by TV Line. McIntyre will appear on the 15th and 16th of The Flash. I guess that's episodes? Yeah. When the Weathered Wizard comes to Central City for vengeance. I'm sure if Dan was here, he could tell you exactly who the fucking Weathered Wizard is. I'm actually somewhat familiar with this guy. Go for it, Dan. So, um, I think that with Weather Wizard, you're going to get a lot of um, interesting story elements because his powers, I mean, they're just, if they use their imagination, he's actually got a really strong set of powers. He's always been kind of goofy looking, and like in the cartoons and, and comics he's been in, he's been pretty goofy looking for the most part. But, I mean, I'm interested to see him, like, you know, snow and tornadoes and all that stuff. So I think it's I think it's gonna be interesting, and I love that the the WB is not playing or CW whatever the hell it is uh, is yeah is not playing around with. They still got the frog on there. No, but they don't play around with it like they did with Smallville. Smallville was years before they really treaded into that territory. They had their freaks of the week, and that was that that worked considering they were trying to establish Clark. But, you know, it got old. And with Arrow and The Flash, they're just jumping right into the mythology of, of each character deep. They're not acting like they're too good for it. And I think that was one thing that held Smallville back, as much as I loved it. Seems like this is saying that uh, Weather, Weather Wizard is an old character from 1959. That's a yeah. long time ago. Flash number, that can't be right. Flash number 110 in 1959, that can't be right. Yeah, that's right. Is it? Yeah. He had 110. Damn. That's old man flash. Yeah, that might have been on volume two by then, man. So basically, uh, Weather Wizard is uh, the the um, proto Storm. When did Storm come out? Late 60s. Yeah. Late 70s. Early 60s. She's not in the early. She's not in the 63 run. That's for sure. Giant giant size X Men number one, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be like 70s. Okay, on, well, we're already in comics, so... Um, you know, Flash was almost 20 years old at that point, so... 
That's hard to believe. Yeah. Gail Simone's uh, Red Sonia run. You can actually pick up three free issues online over at bleedingcool.com. Scott, did you take a look? Well, issues one, two, and seven, so... Yeah, it wasn't... They left you at the cliffhanger in issue two and then skipped to issue seven. Total print move. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Damn you for giving me three free online comics. Um, Could have been in order. Yeah, but issues one and two was, you know, Sonya... I'm going to try to be non-spoilery for this. She got set up in a situation where she can't just settle it with a sword. So I thought that was really interesting. So she used her breasts, right? Not yet. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's issue three. So yeah, that we don't want you as she devil with boobs um, instead of a sword. But the art was really, really well done. It was it popped to me. Uh, the dialogue was was you know perfect for the universe it comes from, and there was some funny dialogue. Uh, there's two archers in it that are they're they're kind of funny, but they've only got a few lines. Um, but yeah, her having to overcome something without being able to shove her sword through it. No, oh, it's Gail Simone. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not familiar with with this guy. It's a girl. Ah, whatever. Man, I'm such a misogynist because I assumed Gail was a dude. Well, how the hell can Gail be a dude's name? I actually know like three Gales, but anyways. Oh. That are males. Um, yeah. Wow. Girly men, huh? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's all the name. It's like yeah. Alice. So, uh, Paul says he's a good writer, so hopefully, what I think is the strength of this. She's a good writer. She's a good writer. It's a good comic. So, she wrote Batgirl. It well, was... now I know why she's going to solve problems another way, because it's a female writer. Now, what happens if this female writer makes her solve it with her boobs? <laughs> it'll, it'll be even better. Well, it'll be better, but it won't be Sonya. Because Sonya's, you know, like, she had a really bad origin story. So Let's uh, check those out. They're pretty good. The original Red Sonya, wasn't she was basically kind of a, um, a know-nothing character in the original books? No, I think she had her own series. I thought she was she was actually part of the uh, original Conan mythos, but she wasn't really no, that big of a deal. And then she, it was kind of changed up a little bit for the for the movie because they wanted something to deal with. There was two Red Sonians. There was the Barry Windsor Smith one, and there was the and there was somebody else I think involved in that. And then there was a Red Sonia in the in the Robert E. Howard books, but I believe they were different. And uh, I. I'm thinking the spelling was even different because I've read most of those back in the day, so I'm just kind of... I've read all the Robert E. Howard stuff and a lot of the Barry Windsor Smith stuff, and it's all fantastic to read. But, <clears throat> yeah, I think as far as comic books go, she she popped in um, Conan the Barbarian at some point. And then, of course, there was the movie, which had Conan in it, but he wasn't really Conan. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, yeah, she's she's ha- she had her own story that she appeared in. So, Marvel Star Wars number one will be released on January fourteenth, which I think that will probably drop. When is that? When is the fourteenth? Tuesday, uh, right? Yeah. Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay, this will be out on Tuesday, so you can pick it up tomorrow. Um, Scott, did you take a look at the? 
Comics Continuum link I sent you on there. Comics Continuum link. Yeah, it's like the early art looks good. I don't see a link. Early arts. Oh, because it's in the middle instead of at the top. I didn't notice it. Yeah. Well, here we go. But they got some uh, some of the early artwork on there, like the first four pages, four or five pages, and they got some really sweet ass variant art work. So. Um, oh yeah, I in fact have looked at that just a moment ago. Four dollars, thirty-two pages. So at least it's thirty-two pages. How many of that is actual ads? We'll guess we'll Eight. see. Eight pages. You sure? <laughs> I'm just guessing. <laughs> Was twenty four? We get twenty four page books with eighteen pages of comic. It used to be like twenty. That. It used to be twenty two. So I don't know if you're going to get anything extra in this or not. I like I like I like the Falcon as Captain America as long as it's not permanent. So and it won't be. The uh, I really like the awesome, awesome cover art. Yes, I like the one with the. Uh, the old school melon Star Wars action figure cover. That's yeah. probably my favorite one. I like the Hitler-esque um, Falcon Punch and Red Skull cover. That's really neat. It reminds me of one of the old comic covers for Captain America. For Star Wars? Where no, I was back. I was back on the link looking at Captain America, man. I'm looking at Star Wars is there, but I'm looking at Captain America. Sorry, oh. <laughs> I went my own way. He must walk his own path. This is why the show so <laughs> so high up on the ratings on on podcast. It will. It'll, it's it'll come. It'll come. Um, Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Star Wars. Marvel Universe. Star Wars. Actually, I I I did look at the um, variant covers last week. I'm sorry. Because uh, I looked at the same story just on a different page. Yes, those covers are fantastic, and I'm gonna have to say my favorite cover though is the one with um, it says digital edition, but it's the one that's got uh, Luke standing in front and he's got his arms all out and he's got the other cast behind him and there's Tie Fighters and and X Wings flying out over their head. I think that just it's like Star Wars is back. So. Not that I think it ever really went anywhere because of Clone Wars' popularity and everything, but what we know is Star Wars. The original trilogy is coming back to the forefront of uh, the original type characters, is at least for one movie, is it will come back to the forefront. So I'm really excited to see that. And yes, the uh, Mellaway one is pretty badass. Yeah. The um, How do you feel about... That's I will own that, by the way, eventually. We we don't have any more fucking news. The only thing else we have is a random cor- correction from uh, last week. Was uh well, what would have been our last episode? The uh, Mortal Kombat runs on the Unreal Engine. Okay, back to uh, Star Wars. Disney's. Um, now I'm not a fan of all these variants, but no, uh, no, it's too I'm much. Not. Here's your big cash in. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. The, uh, I'll probably end up buying all these though, because the, the covers are really, really well done. Yeah. So, so you're especially talking this, about especially this painted one, the old school Star Wars, the original ones, that they're not really going to be a part of the new uh, Disney attractions. They're going to do all new Star Wars on. How do you feel about that? 
Well, I don't really care. <laughs> I hate theme parks. I like as long as they have Star Wars theme parks. If they have Star Wars and I can take my kid and he can dress up as a Jedi for an afternoon and fight around, I'll be good. But I mean, theme parks. I don't know. I haven't actually been to Disney World, but the only thing I can think about Disney World is I've been to Six Flags. I've been to Cedar Point. I've been to you know Kings Island. I just extrapolate all the problems of those places into being like fifteen thousand times bigger at a place like Disney. So um, we're gonna go eventually. But as long as there's something Star Wars related, I can go and get my fanboy service in. I'll be happy. I don't care if it's Rebels, Clone Wars, prequel, original, whatever. As long as it's Star Wars. Okay, and I say that will do it. That's a pretty good episode. So, Scott, say something to the people. Um, okay, hey, real quick. You beat Diablo 3. What's your opinion on it? Um, That's amazing. Yeah, it's excellent. Uh, I also don't have to have always online. Sorry, PC guys. But uh, I settle my couch and play my games, and it's awesome. Uh, How did it feel when you used the analog stick and when you moved it one direction, the character went in that direction too without having to click on a button? That was amazing. Yeah, that was that was mind blowing. Mind blown. <laughs> yeah, I th I thought I thought it was really intelligent how they made use of the control. Uh, we played it on the PlayStation 4. Me and Paul did a big co-op session yesterday, and after that was over, I finished the game. Um, the leveling is. I mean, just increasing your stats in a way that you can you can build your character like a hundred different ways, and I and no matter what class you're playing, it's just like I played a melee class, but then you know I can spec him. He has like ranged attacks, kind of like Thor. He throws like his hammer out. And, you know that that's that's cool because I like to change it up once in a while without having to level up an entirely new character. Because let's face it, I'm gonna probably play this game one time. As good as it is, I have other games to play. I'm not gonna spend 200 hours this year playing Diablo 3. I don't think. Yeah, no, I'm sorely tempted, but I don't think I'm going to play that many hours. If we actually had, like, say, an occasional third host who had a PlayStation 4, that would be something to, that we could play together. You know, that would be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I you know, if only we had somebody who, you know, worked every day and could afford it and loved games. I was <laughs> <laughs> trying to reconnect with his friends. You know, it'd be great if we had a host like that. Yeah. I mean, you know. Oh, well. Might even gift him a copy of Diablo if he had one. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, why, why jump on the future and go with PlayStation? <laughs> Where there's, you know, only going to be Street Fighter exclusives and potentially Resident Evil exclusives and Godzilla exclusives. Yeah, you wouldn't want that, would you? You wouldn't think he would want to play that. But anyways. Yeah. By the way, guys, if you didn't notice, Daniel's not here this week, so he's uh, he is busy toiling away, uh, helping make the world a better place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, but real quick, I'm gonna hit on Star Wars really fast. We got Star Wars number one. If you missed it back in the day, Dark Horse did a series in the same time period as the new Star Wars comic, and it was called Star Wars Empire, and it was like a 29 or 30 issue run, 33 issues, something like that. You can get it on the cheap off eBay if you're interested in that. Or at the stores, it's not bad. It's a very, very well-drawn, well-written series. And some of the uh, 
things that Anakin did during the Clone Wars, even as the hero, come back to bite Luke Skywalker in the ass 20 years later. So, very interesting series. There's some big Starlighter stuff. There's some uh, romantic stuff where Leia's getting involved with some other fella, and it doesn't quite play out uh, because, you know, the movies. But definitely check it out if you guys get a chance. That would be my recommended retro series of comics this week. Star Wars Empire. If you want to read a good book, read uh, Shadow of the Empire. Yeah, that was a good book. It means nothing now, but... No, no, no. It was, it was its own good stories. It was its own good Star Wars story. Yeah. So, also, on that Empire, there was some really, really good Darth Vader stuff in there. Very, very good, especially the first couple issues. Um, and then, you know, obviously later issues. But uh, And they introduced a new lieutenant in the Empire, and he was very, very, very good. So definitely... Check it out. Yeah. And Shadows of the Empire was a pretty good media event. It was all over QVC. They had the Shadows of the Empire special. Does anybody remember the Shadows of the Empire QVC special? I don't. Because this Star Wars fanboy sat and watched that shit all day long. <laughs> <laughs> they sold, like, the Steins, where you, like, you know, like the Shadows of the Empire Steins. They sold the books. They sold the audio version, the soundtrack that went with it. There was a soundtrack for it. I'm pretty sure Shadows of the Empire games were on there. Books, visual guides, stuff like that. Just a bunch of crap involving Shadows of the Empire. And it was like an event. And I don't know how I even stumbled across it. I might have had internet at that point. I don't remember. But yeah, that was really awesome. So if you guys have never seen the QVC special, I'm doubting you can find it. I'm going to go look that shit up. But you probably would have because that would have been right around the dial up there. Yeah, I probably would have heard about it. Yeah, AOL. No, I think actually I would have been... After that, we didn't get internet until April of 1997. You're busting that. <laughs> busting the hardcore of Netscape. This is uh, Scott and Paul. Uh, we're going to sign off now. So I hope you enjoyed the show. <laughs>